So back in the day, and when I say back in the day, obviously I'm talking about 2016. Back in the day in 2016, there was this catchphrase that was going around, and the catchphrase said, uh, adulting is hard. Adulting is hard. I, I found that kind of interesting because it is hard, you know, making that transition from being a kid to being a grown-up. There was this meme that went around at that time. It said, uh, Mom, I'm an adult. Stop telling me what to do. Can you make me a dentist appointment? That's a perfect adulting meme. You know, I, I think one of the reasons why adulting is hard is because life is kind of tough. Life can be difficult. I saw another picture the other day online. It, it talked about the, the kind of the plans that I have for my life are all smooth sailing, but the reality is a little bit more of a rough ride. Life is hard, and that's why I think it's important. You know, we've been looking at this Old Testament life story. A guy by the name of Samuel lived 3,100 years ago. And what we've been noticing is that there's these timeless principles in the story of Samuel that we can apply to our lives here today in 2019. And the reason is, is because life is difficult. It's called a human condition. That for Samuel back 3,100 years ago, there was probably a goal that he had that his life would be smooth sailing, but then he realized at some point, oh, this is a little bit more of a rough ride. So we have so much in common. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the time that Samuel was just a young guy and he heard God speak in an audible voice. Now, I don't know about you, but honestly, God's never spoke to me in an audible voice. But the thing that I want to really, really focus on today, and we have been focusing on it for the last two weeks, is that God is still speaking. God is still speaking today. 2019, God's still speaking. The easiest way I could explain the gravity, the importance of that, is by turning your attention to Proverbs 3, chapter, or Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I, I want to I stop there just for a second. What does it mean to acknowledge God? See, I think it means two things. Number one, when we acknowledge somebody, it means that we're listening to them. We're, 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 we're cognizant, reco we're recognizing the fact that they're speaking. That's one aspect of acknowledgement. You are speaking, so I will listen. And so all, all over these last three weeks, I've been saying over and over again, we listen to his voice. God is still speaking, so we listen to his voice. But there's another part of acknowledgement I want to talk about today. And the other aspect of acknowledgement is to recognize someone's position. Do you understand? So, so we say, God is still speaking, so we listen to his voice. That's good. Can I tell you one more thing? God is still Lord, so we follow his lead. God is still speaking, so we listen to his voice, but he's still Lord, so we follow his lead. What I'm saying is this. He's still great, and he's still good, and he's still your father, and he still loves you, so you can trust him. He's still speaking, so we listen to his voice. He's still Lord, so we follow his lead. So important. I think the reason why there's so many people in so many North American churches especially that are living relatively powerless, ineffective lives is because they heard God speak once in their life. They recognized God's voice once in their life and they gave their life to him and since then, they've had no ability to listen to his voice and follow his lead. No acknowledgement, no inclination to listen to his voice and follow his lead. See, God's plan is that you would have a powerful life. 
a purposeful life, a joy-filled life. So you acknowledge him. He's still speaking, so you listen to his voice. He's still Lord, so you follow his lead. And then what? He'll direct your path. Where? Where? Well, according to John chapter 10, he'll direct your path to an abundant life. Fulfillment. Purpose. Power. Legacy. Hope. Peace. Even in the midst of chaos. According to Matthew chapter 11, he'll direct your path to to a place of rest. Rest for your soul. According to Joshua chapter 1, he'll direct your path to a place of strength and a place of courage. According to Psalm 37, he'll bring you to a place called the desires of your heart. I'm telling you, man, if we want... If we want to live the powerful life that we are created to live, the purposeful life that we are created to live, the joy-filled life, the abundant life, we need to recognize he's still speaking. So we listen to his voice, and he's still great, and he's still good, and he's still Lord, so we follow his lead. So over the last couple weeks, I've been talking about the ways that God is still speaking. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through creation. He speaks through our conscience. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through providence. Today, I want to give you three more ways that God is still speaking today. Now, I do want to give you a heads up that starting next week, we're going to get to a part of Samuel's story where we really see uh, what it looks like when a family goes wrong. We're going to really see what it looks like when a family goes wrong. And so over the next several weeks, we're really going to be talking about family, how we can keep it going right, and how We can take it from wrong to right if it's gone wrong. And I don't care what stage of family you're in, you are not going to want to miss these next few weeks. Invite everyone you know. Bring everyone you know to church. It's so important that we get family right. And if it's gone wrong, we move it back to right. But today I want to give you three more ways that God's speaking. He speaks through people. He speaks through personality. And he speaks in power. God speaks through people. Jim Rohn said, you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. You like that? Does that fire you up? That you're a spiritual average of the five people you spend the most time with. You're a financial average of the five people you spend the most time with. Your your marriage is an average of the five marriages represented by the people you spend the most time with. Your, uh, Your physical fitness is an average of the five people you spend the most time with. I would go as far as to say this. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. God speaks through people. Maybe I should be a little bit more specific. God speaks to you through the right kind of people. I think there's two kinds of people that you need to make sure you have in your life. You need a group and you need a guide. You, you need, we all need a group and we all need a guide. I was going to say we got to get really intentional about that. But then I realized intention doesn't always equal direction. Have you ever noticed that? Intention always, doesn't always equal direction. That's why I'll bet you can remember a time or two when you said to a person, we have got to get together sometime and you never did. And I'm not actually talking about the person that you don't want to hang out with and you're in an awkward conversation and you just want it to end and the way you end it, you go, it's like, we got to get together sometime as you're walking. I don't mean that. I mean people that you actually want to hang out with. You say we're going to get together sometime and you don't. So I'm going to take it a step further. I, I think instead of just getting intentional, we need to get directional. You need a group. 
One of the ways that we get directional about that at Southside is we have small groups. And I'll give you a direction. If you're not in a small group, I would encourage you today to text the keyword group to 604-670-3040. So, well, Mike, you said we gotta listen to the right kind of people. How do, I, you know, how do I know if the right kind of people are in a small group? We don't know for sure. I'll give you two, two, two reasons that they probably will be. Number one, every small group leader at this church is accountable and, and, and helped by and mentored by the leadership of this church. We take it real serious. And, and, the, and the second thing is, I was thinking about it this week, I read a book called The Key to Everything, and, and, and this guy says that the key to everything is teachability. The key to everything, you want to you live a great life, be teachable. Well, I want you to think about that. Spiritually speaking, what does that mean? Is that you come to a place in your life when you go, God, I want to listen to your voice and I want to follow your lead. What kind of people are in small groups? The kind of people who want to listen to God's voice and follow his lead. You really need a group. You need a group of people that are kind of in your stage of life, going through the stuff that you're going through, that can encourage you, that can call out the best in you, that can cheer you on, that can pray for you. You know, real you, meet real them. It's important. Proverbs says it this way, says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. You need a group. Second thing that we all need is we need a guide. We need a guide. In life, you know there's a difference between a travel agent and a tour guide. You ever notice that? Have you ever met a travel agent in life? Okay, a travel agent is somebody who wants to uh, send you someplace that they've never gone themselves. Okay, a travel agent in life is someone who wants to give you advice on your marriage and they've never been married. A travel agent is li- in life is someone who wants to give you advice on how to be a parent and they're not a parent. A, a travel agent is li- in life is somebody who has all kinds of opinions and all kinds of attitudes and all kinds of instruction for you when they've never walked the road that you're walking. You don't need a travel agent, you need a tour guide. You need somebody probably older than you that's kind of walked the ground that you are currently walking. The way I've heard it referred to is this, you need somebody to pay your dumb tax for you. You need somebody to pay your dumb tax for you. Don't learn every lesson the hard way. Get a guide. Someone who's a little bit ahead of you in this walk that we call life. Proverbs 4 says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good first step. Hey, you know what the most important part of wisdom is? Get it. <laughs> Listen to this. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Step one to being wise, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get it. Reminds me of a conversation I had with a young woman a few years ago. She said to me, there's no mentors in this church. There's no mentors in this church. There's no guides. And I found that weird, you know, because... There's just so many amazing women at this church. So many successful, um, faith-filled, purposeful women. There's no mentors. I said, I don't really know what you mean. She said, you know what? Like in the last month, I've asked three different women to take me out for coffee and no one's got back to me. Ah, you get it? She never read Proverbs 4. Though it costs you all you have, get it. You know what I mean? Like she should have been taking them out for coffee. Or, 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 or going 
preparing a lunch, taking it to her office and saying, hey, I, 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 bought, I bought us lunch while we're eating. Could I ask you a couple questions? Or for a young man who wants a mentor, say, hey, can I come over to your place and do yard work? And when I'm done doing yard work, could, could I hang out for a bit and ask you some questions? I, I want to pay the price to get wisdom. This is absolutely imperative for everybody, no matter what stage of life you're at. I've been feeling it really strong for me lately. As we kind of look ahead and we're, you know, pushing towards 10,000, we got these goals, we want to bring more hope and we want to bring more help to this city and we're building a building and we're adding a fourth service and I just got to the point where I was like, man, I need some wisdom. So I found three guys that I've got really directional about in my life. I meet with each of them uh, once a month and then I meet together with them also. Three guys are uh, a guy named Carson Pugh. Have you been to Southside for a while, you've maybe met Carson before, he spoke here before. He's a world-renowned expert in leadership. He's written books on it. Other guy's George Franco. He's out of North Carolina. He's been a part of church leadership way, way, way longer than me. He's been a part of churches that blew past 10,000 and more. And the other guy's Mike Heppel, a Southsider here that has been in high-level leadership, not, not only in private business, but in, in public publicly traded business as well. And each one of them brings an aspect to my leadership that, 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 that I don't have right now. And I wanted to apply it also to our church. So, so, so the, this group of three guys, they're known as the Overseers Council. They pray for this church every day. You're gonna get to know these guys really, really well. Because I wanna get wisdom. Every single one of us, God speaks to the right kind of people. What are the right kind of people? Well, there's two kinds of people you need. You need a group and you need a guide. Second way God speaks is through personality. You're a piece of work, right? There's really no one like you. Your spouse says, thank goodness, don't do that during the sermon. No, you're super unique. There's things about you that are just, like no, no, no one's exactly like you. And God meant it that way. And God actually speaks through your personality. You're looking for direction. You're looking for to make a decision. Look at your personality. You know, God has given every single person on the planet talents. Every, every single person on, on planet Earth, God has given them talents. In many ways, they're, they're, they're passed on genetically from your parents. So maybe if your parents were good athletes, you'll be a good athlete. If your parents were great at school, you'll, you'll, you'll be great at school. If your parents are really strong relationally, you'll be strong relationally. If your parents are super creative, you'll be super creative. If, you're, if you're, your parents have a lot of mechanical ability, you'll have a lot of mechanical ability. Pay close attention to that. God placed those talents inside of you. Listen to them, look at them. And if you're in here today and you've given your life to Jesus, you've come to the point in your life where you said, Jesus, save me. The minute that you accept Jesus Christ in your life, not only do you have talents, he's also gonna give you spiritual gifts. See, the minute that you sign up to be a Christ follower, he, he signs you up for this mission, which is to preach the gospel, tell the good news that says no matter who you are, or where you've been, or what you've done, Jesus saves. And that's a message that needs to, give out, to get out, and, and, and he uniquely gifted you to do your part to spread that message. That message. So you, you're very unique and you need to pay attention to your uniqueness. You need to pay attention to your talents 
and your gifts because God speaks through them. So there's two things I want you to do. I want you to take some time over the next week. Maybe this needs to become a part of just what you do, period. I want you to ask yourself two questions. What makes me feel alive and what makes me feel affirmed? You, you, you want to figure out more about your gifts and your talents? What makes you feel alive and what makes you feel affirmed? What, what does make you feel alive? Because what makes you feel alive is different than what makes me feel alive, I bet. What makes you feel, when I, when I was a kid, I never wanted to become a Christian because I thought, man, if I become a Christian, God's going to make me be a missionary in tuk tuk or something like that, you know? <laughs> I don't want, you know? But I was getting it wrong, right? Because there's a chance that if you give your life to Jesus, if you, if you hand him your purpose, your past, your, your present, and your future, he might send you as a missionary to tuk tuk And if he does, guess what? He'll know that that's exactly where you're going to come alive. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, so what makes you feel alive? Ask yourself that question at the end of the day, at the end of the month, at the end of the year. What, what made me feel alive? It can be real tricky. You got to spend some time reflecting on it because I'll tell you this, what you feel like doing is different than what makes you feel alive. Let me, let me say that again because it's really, really important. What you feel like doing is different than what makes you feel alive. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. You know what makes me feel alive? Loving my wife. Being a good husband. Being patient and kind and selfless. Chivalrous. You know, is that, that's a word, right? Chival, chival, like chivalry is not dead. Not in the Manus house, I'll tell you that, right? Okay, so... That, but that makes, me, that makes me feel alive. And guess what? Sometimes I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like being patient. I don't feel like being kind. I don't feel like being selfless. I feel like being selfish. I feel like being lazy. So, so I look back at the end of the day. I look back at the end of the month. I look back at the end of the year, and I'm not asking, what did I feel like doing? What made me feel alive? And then I got to do it. You know what makes me feel alive? being a good dad for my kids, you know, cheering them on, encouraging them, calling out their gifts, celebrating the talents and gifts and the future that God has planned for them. And guess what? Some days, I don't feel like doing that at all. I feel like being a completely lazy parent. You know what lazy parents almost always do? They Listen, you know what lazy parents almost always do? They catch their kids doing something wrong. Wow. Wasn't that hard to catch your kid doing something wrong? I bet you had to wait a good second for that to happen, you know? And it's real, it's real lazy and it's real insipid because what it does is it gives you the sense that you're actually accomplishing something when you're not. Because you, you don't want to put in the hard work to catch them doing something good. So you just like blast at them and blast at them and blast, tear them, tear them, tear them, tear them. You know what makes me feel alive? Being a dad that celebrates my kids. But I don't always feel like it. You get what I mean? You know what makes me feel alive? Uh, hanging out with people once in a while. Like real me and real them, like real. But man, like I don't always feel like doing it. I'm, I'm, an, in, I'm an introverted person. And so for me, um, like I, I, I can't hang around people 24 seven, it drains me. But I gotta be around good people once in a while. 
it, it makes me feel alive. But what happens in my life is when I get super stressed and when I get super anxious, what do I have a tendency to do? I just isolate myself. Can anyone here relate? So the, the, stuff, the stuff that would make me feel alive, I don't feel like doing. Here's another one. I feel alive when I spend some time outside. You know, go for a walk, do some yard work, <laughs> play some golf even, you know? But I don't always feel like doing it. I don't know why. I just want to be a couch potato. So you ask yourself, not what, what do I feel like doing? Ask yourself, be, be, because what makes you feel alive, some of it will be like me, but, but a lot of it will be completely unique to you. So ask yourself that because God's going to speak through that. Like one of the things that I realized years ago for me is what makes me feel really alive is when I can have a chance to, to help somebody else tell a great story with their life. And that makes me feel alive. So I've been so, so, so blessed and so thankful for the chance to be a teacher and a coach and a pastor and a preacher. It's been amazing. I think it was Howard Thurman who said this, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. You know what I mean? Supply and demand and what is the economy? Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes me come alive. Because you know what the world really needs? More people who have come alive. So what makes you feel alive? God's going to speak through that. So take the time to listen. And what makes you feel affirmed? What do other people, you know, what are they affirming you? What are they noticing you? What, what, what are you good at? You know? Two kind of people you want to avoid in this discussion is people who leave you discouraged and people who leave you delusional. I should have mentioned earlier, it's really important, the five people you spend with. Did I say that already? It's really important. And here's one of, the, one of the reasons you can't hang around discouraging people all the time. Because there's some kind of people who will leave you discouraged. That's a lazy parent who's just so great at catching their kids doing something wrong. Remember years ago I did a basketball tryout. And this kid had moved into Chilliwack from a different city, and so I'd never seen him play basketball before. So we're doing tryouts. Kid's 6'3". He had a, close to a 30-inch standing vertical. A 30-inch standing vertical. That means nothing at all to you. It's high. It's really cool, okay? And he ran like a gazelle. I mean, the guy was just like graceful. So we get to the end of the, we get to the, end of the tryout, and I punch him in the chest, because that's what I do. I punch him in the chest, and I go, man, you're an athlete. He says, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not athletic at all. I said, what? He said, yeah, my dad just says I, I got two left feet. Hmm. I want to avoid those kind of people. The armchair critic that just seems to have this great ability of catching you doing something wrong. And you also want to Avoid people who leave you delusional. Those are just, they're, they're flatterers. They're liars. They're just going to tell you stuff so that, to control you. You can do anything you set your mind to. No, I couldn't. Absolutely not. I'll give you one thing right off the top of my head I couldn't do, even if I set my mind to it. I could not win the world championship at synchronized swimming. Not a chance. Have you ever seen them there? Like, they're standing, they're, they're, they're in the deep end, first of all. Let's establish that. They're not standing on the floor of the pool. Okay, so they're in the deep end. They're treading water with one hand. They're doing something with their hand. They got a nose plug in and they're smiling. I couldn't even do that part. Like, not a chance. There's some people who would just lie to you to control you. They're, they're flatterers. 
Like if someone ever comes up to me and says, Mike, you have such a beautiful singing voice. I'm like, liar. I know, you know what I mean? I'm never listening to that person again. But you know what? What you're going to find around you if, you, if you get the right kind of group, and if you get the right kind of God, you're going to find some truth-telling encouragers. Listen, listen, listen. Listen to them affirm you. Listen to the affirmation. Because God's going to speak through that. God is still speaking. So we listen to his voice. And he's still Lord, so we follow his lead. Number one, he speaks through people. You need a group and you need a guide. He, 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 he speaks through your personality. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes me come alive. And thirdly, God speaks in power. So we get to the part of the Samuel story where he's just a young guy and God's speaking to him in an audible voice. God's never spoke to me in an audible voice. You read through the Bible and there's this time that God spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. God's never spoke to me out of a burning bush. But God has spoken to me in power. Not in an audible voice, but in a deep heart level, gut level knowing. And God wants to speak to you in the same way. God still speaks in power. Expect it. Expect it. I think the first time God ever spoke to me like that was in the middle of the night, in the middle of January, in the middle of Red Deer, Alberta, walking up the South Hill. And God basically just said, you've been running and 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 and it's time to rest. He said, I'm the more that you've been running after anyways. And I responded and he saved me. I remember God speaking to me this deep heart level knowing when I was walking out of my last final exam of my bachelor's degree on my way to go to law school and God said, be a teacher instead. I remember when we were deciding, Kurt and I were deciding whether or not we were gonna adopt two amazing little boys from Haiti. And Corinne knew right away, but I wasn't sure if we could do it. I didn't know if we had the talents and the gifts and the ability and the resources to pull it off. And we, we, we knew that we had to come into agreement, you know? And so I was just praying and praying and asking God. And I remember the, the moment I was driving by Chiam Golf Course and God spoke. It was this deep heart level knowing it was real simple. He said, if I bring you to it, I'll get you through it. Man, am I glad he did. A few years ago, I was flying. I was watching Lucas play basketball at Edmonton, flying back into Abbotsford. And I remember as the plane was descending, I, I looked out the window and I saw all these little houses, you know? And God spoke to me in this moment and He said, Those houses aren't little. In fact, they're life size. Those are life size houses. And in every one of those life size houses, there's a life size story playing out. And sometimes the story is good. Sometimes it's a story of hope and love and joy and the best is yet to come. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes the life-size story playing out in that life-size house, it ain't good. It's broken people breaking people. It's hurting people hurting people. It's shattered people shattering people. I remember in that moment as I'm looking out the window at the life-size houses, thinking about the life-size stories, God told me there is only one way to change history, and that's one life, one story at a time. That's it. And it really matters. Like, those stories really matter. Remember I thought, too, like, 
kind of at that same moment, we gotta build a building. Gotta build a building for our church. Because just thought of the, of the fact that Jesus saved, and Jesus saves. You know, in, in, in every one of those life-size houses, in those life-size stories of broken people, breaking people, and hurting people, hurting people, Jesus stepped into human history to intervene, to put a stop to the cycle of sorrow. That's why he came. That while it's true that broken people break people, you know what else is true? Love people, love people, and change people, change people too, and save people, save people. And that message needs to get out today, tomorrow, and for generations to come. And I thought we need to build a building because we need to establish once and for all that we're for this city. That's why we're here. We've been called out to this city. We're, we gotta go out, but we don't need to come back. We're not here for fame and fortune. We're not here for popularity and prestige. We're not here for comfort and ease. We're here for this city. We preach for this city. We give for this city. We serve for this city. We, we, we start a fourth service for this city. We build a building for this city. Everything we got, everything we do. So I just wanna ask you, would you please expect that God wants to speak to you in power. He's still speaking, you know? So we listen to his voice and we follow his lead. I thought I'd end with just a reason why. Because he really loves you. I, I don't mean the good, well-behaved person sitting to your left. I'm talking to you. He really, really loves you and he's really with you, and he's really for you. You know, the Bible says that he's your heavenly father. He's your, he's your dad. And so when he speaks to you, he speaks to you because he wants to lead you into a place of power, and a place of purpose, and, and, and a place of meaning, and a place of rest, and a place of joy. He's your dad. I'll close with this story. Years ago, <clears throat> we dropped Lucas off at a place called Briarcrest in the middle of Saskatchewan to go to college and to play basketball. The next day, Corinne wrote a story called Five Minutes. That's gonna be an issue. I'm gonna try to read it. <clears throat> I found a picture yesterday. It was in a box of photographs that I never got around to putting in albums. It, it was a picture of my son, Lucas, at a year old, in his sleeper, sitting on the floor, his tiny legs crisscrossed, looking up at the TV, mesmerized by a purple dinosaur. I held that picture in my hands and my throat started to constrict. I was filled with this strange longing to pick him up and to smell his hair. <laughs> I knew it would have smelled like no more tear shampoo. Lucas is 18 now. 18. His hair smells like sweat. And his bedroom smells like the inside of a running shoe. He doesn't watch the purple dinosaur anymore. He wouldn't let me scoop him up anyway. Or he wouldn't let me scoop him up in any way. He outweighs me by 70 pounds. Did I know 17 years ago just how precious the smell of no more tears was? 
how fleeting and glorious was the feeling of a one-year-old in my arms. I remember feeling tired a lot. I remember thinking that the busyness and the sleepless nights and the chaos would never end. And then it did. And I am left standing open-mouthed, choking back tears outside a dorm room 1,200 miles from our living room, hugging a six-foot-tall, basketball player who was in a sleeper in my arms just five minutes ago. Walking to the truck for the long drive home, feeling more empty and more proud than I ever knew I could. Wishing I could hold him in a sleeper <clears throat> one more time and smell the scent of no more tears. But I'm in the truck and it smells like feet and sweat and there are a few more tears. I look back as we drive away. Who knew such a big kid could look so small, standing, al <clears throat> standing alone on those steps? I wondered if he was hungry and where, and where he would get lunch. I look in the back seat at the four still there, the gawky 13-year-old trying to grow into his feet, the 15-year-old checking out her hair in the reflection of her cell phone, the 11 and 9-year-olds looking out the window at the unfamiliar flat of the prairies. I think of the laundry I'm going to have to do when we get home, the basketball practices, the homework help. I feel the mild terror of facing three years of public school with another pretty daughter. I think of three more boys hitting puberty, the cracking voices, the acne, the endless annoying swag. And then I think again of <clears throat> and then I think again of that little boy sitting on the carpet in his sleeper. The one standing on the steps, growing smaller as we drive away. Treasure them, I hear my father say. Treasure the smell of feet and sweat and makeup and the sound of loud music and overly dramatic tears. Treasure them. Five minutes. That's all you got. Say, so what does that have to do with me, Mike? I'm an earthly dad. I love my kids so much. So much. Do you know that you have a heavenly father who loves you infinitely more than that? Man, he delights in you. He's so with you. He's so for you. And when he picks you up in his arms, your hair still smells like no more tears. He's still speaking. He's still speaking so we listen to his voice, and he's still great, and he's still good, and he's still your father. So we follow his lead. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you go before us, that it was your plan that we would be here today, this moment, to hear exactly what you had for us. We're so thankful that you walk beside us every step of the way through the smooth sailing and through the rough ride and that you go behind us and you guard behind us you give us complete and total forgiveness and a fresh start thank you that you still speak we're going to listen thank you that you're still Lord we're going to follow because you're great
and you're good, and you're with us, and you're for us. And we are so grateful. In your name, everyone said, amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you at any of our three Sunday services held at Sardis Secondary School on Stevenson Road in Chilliwack, British Columbia. For more information, please visit southsidelife.com.